So Julie, I often tell people that there are four opportunities to overcoming an objection, the most powerful of which is before the objection happens. Have you ever heard of this concept? You're always teaching me new stuff, Torin. No, I haven't. Tell me more. So the acronym for me, and it's something that I used back in the 90s when I had my own sales team, the acronym is WNLB. Well, the B stands for before. And before any of you start to wonder which online system is best for payroll, let me share a few facts. Gusto is actually simple and easy, surprisingly easy and very fast. 90% of customers say switching to Gusto was easy. 85% of customers say running payroll is easier now than their previous provider. And three out of four customers take 10 minutes or less to run payroll with Gusto. I think that's easy. You can use our link, gusto.com forward slash C-A-T-K for three complimentary months. Again, that's gusto.com forward slash C-A-T-K. It's time to stop dealing and start demanding. It's time to stop being PC and start being transparent and authentic. It's time to get real. Prepare yourself. It's time for Crazy and the King. Welcome to Crazy and the King. EP 40. Well, I don't know. Is this like 43? 43. Yes. 43. 43. It always feels like it's off because I always think about like what week of the year we are in and and because that number is not and i know we record every week like for the most part so i always feel like somewhere along the lines we done slept on our podcast but how are you <laughs> i am very well my friend Good. just got an empty house again and uh, enjoying some quiet time how about you i'm wonderful uh i'm absolutely wonderful let me tell you what we are not going to do today is talk about tesla's diversity report now, why do you think I don't want to talk about their diversity report? I mean, get, just take a guess. Why, why do you think I don't want to talk about Tesla's diversity report? I mean, usually my pat answer here is that it's bullshit. Okay. Am, am I close? <laughs> well, I mean, close minus some letters. You know, it, it's, you know it's, it's the same shit. You know, it's S-A-M-E. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, and, and, and I don't even say that in a disparaging way, because again, I've said this often, I, I appreciate organizations dropping their diversity reports, that degree of transparency, sharing with the general public, what the workplace looks like, what staff is made up, made up of, or who staff is made up of. But, but I think too many people read these reports and they're looking for something. Ah. Uh, I don't know if the word is savory or maybe the word really is savory. I think they're just looking for something that's not there. And then they run with that in a way that is not productive for our conversation and for the work we do. I don't expect it to be anything but what it is. You print it. Now let's do something about it. That, that's what I want. So, no, we're not talking about Tesla's diversity report. I saw a post on... Um, uh, what was that LinkedIn? And you did LinkedIn. you you absolutely commented on the fact of or or the lack of representation, um, you know, by people 
with, with a disability. So again, you know, normal call outs, right? Yeah. Do you ever get the feeling like every year when a company is about to report or um, create their diversity report, like everybody hits the like, oh, shit button and says, oh, my God, we we really were going to do good stuff this year. And then all of a sudden it was December again. Yeah, absolutely. You know, going, oh, look, we'll put some pretty new graphics on it and and. Then we'll really do something next year. <laughs> you know, that's funny. Next year. I, you know, that's funny, Julie. I, I'm smiling when you say that because I know some of them probably could put some new graphics on, like literally same c- content, same graphs, same, you know, soliloquy, and th- just put a new picture on the joint and they could probably publish their joint, you know, year after year. So, yeah, we're not going to spend any time talking about that. But what we are going to talk about is Dr. Timnet Gabru. Uh, I, I absolutely want to make sure before we are done with the show, uh, we have a bit of a conversation about her. Are you familiar with the name, Dr. Timnit Gabru? Um, just slightly. So I'm looking forward to you giving me some education in the second half of the show. No worry. She was with Google, was with Google. Mm-hmm. The was is okay. the operative word. But speaking of, there are a few things that irk me. And I need to get this off my chest um, because I want the last few recordings of 2020 to be positive. And, and okay. I don't know if you have anything that you need to get off your chest, but this, this has to come off. It, listen, if you are listening to me right now and you have ever emailed me directly, like you have used Torin at TorinEllis.com. If you have ever emailed me directly, Please do not expect me to respond to you when you message me on LinkedIn. Like, bring the conversation directly to me, especially if you know me. I just get so irritated when people are trying to get in front of me or get my attention, and they're doing it on that platform and all these other little platforms and you know how to reach me. Like some folks email me on LinkedIn and you got my cell phone number. Like you have one of my cell phone numbers at least. And I'm like, that just really burns me up. And and I don't know why I just brought that up. Like I, I, I'm yeah. Email. I just got an email and I'm like, just for that, I'm gonna make you wait until 2021. Like I'm literally not going to respond to the person until 2021. Yeah. So I think the most interesting part of this conversation is that you have two more than two, one cell phone? How many cell phones <laughs> you got? Got some burners yeah, going a, on in this place. I, my throwaway. Listen, let me tell you, I balls like that, Julie. I balls <laughs> like that. You understand me? You understand? <laughs> I can't give you. I can't tell you all my secrets. But but hey, I I will tell you one. I will tell you one. We are going to be releasing something fun. You know, this is hard work, Julie, and and I feel like at this point in my life. Um, at this age, this stage, this point in my life, I do want to do something where I don't have to, I don't have to, um, feel like I'm pushing a boulder up the hill. And so in January, I'm actually releasing, um, the first custom hat in my line of custom hats. And it, it, yep. And let me tell you, let me, let me give you a little sneak peek. The, in the first hat, is the Duvernay. Now, why do you think I named it the Duvernay? 
I'm, I don't know if this is a white girl thing, but I have no idea. <laughs> Ava, that's all right. Ava DuVernay for When They See Us. <gasps> oh, yes. Okay. She made such a impression on me uh, last year. And, and I'll get more into this when we, when we release it. But the first hat in the custom line is the DuVernay. So I'm looking forward to that. So, yes, I do ball a little bit like that. I do have multiple mm-hmm. cell phones. Yes, I do. Well, I will have a, a DuVernay. I will be one of your first orders. Oh, thank I, you. I, I will. I will rock that hat. Is it, um, is it, do you have a special brand that you're releasing it under or is it just under the TE brand? No, no, no. It's under Crown Therapy. Crown with a K. Mm-hmm. Crown Therapy. Yep. I'm learning all kinds of new things about my pod partner today. Absolutely. Absolutely. And speaking of learning, uh, before we get into the show, uh, I do want our listeners out there to show a bit of podcast love to Career Karma um, on their $10 million raise. We won't go into the story, but my man Ruben Harris and his partners uh, just made the announcement yesterday uh, that they secured $10 million from a couple of, of different entities. I'm extremely happy for he and his team and what they're going to do for young people and raising them up in a way that they can participate in this creative tech-driven economy. Career Karma raised $10 million. Find the story. So let's get into this week's show, Jay. Yeah, no, that's that's great stuff. So I was watching the Today Show or CBS or something this week. One of those morning and shows, right? One, one of those, those morning, morning shows. shows, right? Just getting my morning fill in of my news before the day starts. And a really interesting story popped up. Um, and it was, do you know when you travel, you see Clear? Yeah, absolutely. I'm a Clear member. So you, you use travel. And we use TSA PreCheck and Global Entry. And basically, it's just another way to kind of fast track through lines um, at concerts. Sometimes I know Clear is there and and it's um, biometric driven, right? Yeah. Hey, can I tell you a little fun fact real quick before you do that? Yes. I I can't remember where I read this, but literally this was, it was this summer, if I'm not mistaken, Julie, but Clear's original business plan was published. And it talked about how they wanted to get to where we are now. Like you just said, originally it was airports only. Now it's events. And they're talking about it being even more than that, like going to grocery stores and um, healthcare providers, like fascinating read. And I was wow. like, yeah, I'm trying to tell you. And they were like, the, these folks have the ability to corner the market in a way like no other, simply using your eye or fingerprint. Go ahead, keep going. No, no. So I, I think that sets us up so perfectly. So what prompted this story that included Clear was this, that Tuesday of this week was what they're calling V-Day in the United Kingdom. Yep. Do you know why it was V-Day? Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. So the first Pfizer COVID-19 injection happened Mm -hmm. on Tuesday this week. Uh, A UK grandmother who had just, or who turns 91 this week, excuse me, Mrs. Margaret Keenan, was the very first person to receive the COVID-19 vaccination in the world 
outside of the clinical trials. You know, I wonder. So, I wonder what. I wonder what list she had. Whose phone number did she have to call? Like, who reached out to her? And you know, do you think she got a text? I want. I bet somebody emailed her on LinkedIn and was like, "We want you to be the first person to take the vaccine." COVID vaccine test. I, I guarantee she probably got a message on LinkedIn, Julie. There had to be something. She was just in this little bitty like London or um, English town, you know, not big like London or anything like that. I think she was at what they call it a basketball hall. Okay. We would call it gymnasium. Interesting. And okay. um, and so she got her vaccination. Um, and obviously that's a huge step forward for us getting back to a post-COVID or getting to a post-COVID life. And what kind of prompted from there is like, how are we going to know who got vaccinated, right? And so that led me to one other conversation, right? So if I'm kind of like going through my brain of how does this vaccination change? where we're thinking about the future. And the first one, obviously, first question is not, can I go to a concert, but can I go back to work? Mm -hmm. So can my employer require me to get a coronavirus vaccination? And according to the EEOC, the answer is, is usually yes, um, they can. They mm -hmm. already allow companies to require employees to be vaccinated for the flu shot. Mm -hmm. um, I, I don't know how many companies do require that, but they certainly can. And if you want an exemption, you have to, just like anyone else, um, request an accommodation under the ADA or Title VII because of your religious beliefs. And so that, you know, that really got me thinking a lot about what is that going to look like in terms of communications that goes out from employer to employee that you are going to have to get this vaccination in order to potentially return to the office. I'm going to tell you exactly and, what it looks like. I'm going to tell you exactly tell what it looks like. So, you know, before Thanksgiving uh, on my Sirius XM show, I talked a bit about the holiday. And what I said, Julie, was, and it wasn't me saying it, it was actually a story. And I think, I think this one came from HR Dive, but, but nonetheless, it was a story that I read and it talked about employers doing one of two things, A, sending out a email or some communique asking you to sign up or to um, acknowledge whether or not you're be, you, you would be attending a typical or traditional Thanksgiving celebration. And so if Julie says yes, then Julie has the ability to come back to work after she quarantines for 14 days. Got it? So if you admit that you're going to be at that Thanksgiving dinner, you have to self-quarantine for 14 days and then come back to work. If you say no, and they find out that you went to a traditional Thanksgiving dinner, then these employers were suggesting that they would administer some degree of reprimand up to and including termination. So I'm just saying if they're doing it just because you're sitting at a table with some dry turkey and some cranberry sauce out of a can, I can almost promise you 
that these a lot of these workplaces are going to say, you got to do it. Huh. Um, so, I mean, that made you pause like. Yeah, I'm processing because one, let's say I'm a single parent, so I have to decide, you know, whether I can go to work or I have that holiday with my family. Now, I think common sense says that we all stay home, but a lot of people didn't do that. Nope. Um, and, and, you know, that would mean for a single parent who works at an hourly job or or something like that, a complete loss of income for the the following two weeks. And I think it just goes, that kind of conversation goes to show you exactly what the imbalances of COVID show us every single day, right? Because you and I are very blessed. Um, we get to work from our homes. We haven't had... Um, We've had disruption, but not disruption like millions of other workers have had. I agree. And and so just thinking about your workplace having that right over you, it's it's challenging for me. On the other hand, obviously, um, I I want to go to work where people are healthy, right? So the the flip of what you just said is, what if I work someplace where my employer doesn't require it and we have people who refuse to be vaccinated and I have to work with them. What does that look like? Yeah. So I think, I think it's, I think it's going to encompass all of it, Julie. I honestly think that the option is still going to be there for people like you and I will probably have the option of take the vaccine so that you can be in our office digs. You can sit at one of our desks because we have probably put some other um, legal speak in the agreement, in the employee relationship. You know, we've probably covered that base. And if you decide that you don't want to take it, then you'll continue to work remote because we don't want that liability. I think for a frontline person or a person like in hospitality or a person who um, is working inside of, let's say a entertainment venue, like a, you know, a concert, as you mentioned before, I think for those individuals, they will also have an option. You know, listen, you don't take it. You're going to sign this piece of paper that does not hold us liable. If you can contact trace or identify that you contracted the disease through the normal course of work. That's what I think is going to happen. And 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 again, I'm I'm telling you flat out, I'm not taking it. Ever. I, lim, lim, listen, you can they will have to handcuff me to a a gurney and they will have to stick an IV in me for me to take it. I'm not okay. taking it. But I'm not frowning on other individuals that do take it. That's not the way that I roll. I'm just not a person who is big on medicine. I, I'm not a person who's big on that. So, and I'm damn sure not a person who's getting ready to be in 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 the trials. God bless them. I know we need people. Torn ain't trying to be that person. I'm I'm not trying to get that badge of honor. Um, so that's what I think is going to happen. I think people are going to have the option, Julie. I just don't. I just don't think that you will have the freedom that you have, say today, where you don't take the flu shot. 
Well, no one's so, asking you whether or not you took the flu shot and or making your ability to work and how you do that work contingent upon such. I just think that there are going to be some contingencies if you don't take it. Yeah. So, so play your scenario out for me a little bit more. So you and I work together in an office, a physical office, yep. and I have a pre-existing condition, diabetes, something to that effect. Okay. Um, you refuse to get vaccinated and our employer doesn't require it. I got vaccinated, but I'm still at higher risk because of my underlying condition. Correct. So what is the reasonable accommodation for me from you in that case, right? Like, is it we have to work on different shifts? I mean, like, that's where like the kind of of parameters I think that we're going to see get asked not just to employers, but to the court is, hey, if, if my job requires me to be physically present, but my coworkers won't get vaccinations and my employers don't make it a condition of employment, what is the, what is the reasonable accommodation to someone like me? Or even if we take it a step further to just someone who is more susceptible to the virus, like a, a person of color. Yeah. Like, where does that line stand? Yeah, that's an interesting. Actually, you raised an interesting point because I was about to crack a joke, but then the joke would be ill-timed. Uh, and I'm not really a joke teller, so it probably been a stale, terrible joke that was ill-timed. So um, I'm glad that you diverted my, um, you know, because because that could be catastrophic, man. They got torn on a clip running on YouTube. Like, look at this clown right here trying to tell jokes. And anyway. I think that you raise a very good point around the the dynamic of you and me in this scenario. And so what I think is going to happen, you raise a really, really good point. It may really, we may see shift work in industries where we've not seen shift work. Like we know accountants mm -hmm. to put the plastic protector in there, you know, the, 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 the funniness of, Accountants will put a plastic protector in their shirt pocket and have all of the pens, but we know mm -hmm. all of them get to leave at five o'clock. It may be in those scenarios now, offices and industries traditionally where you clocked out at five, where they might now have shift work, a certain shift for people who perhaps have taken the vaccination, a certain shift for individuals who might have underlying conditions, and then that shift for people like me who need to be reeled in, wheeled in on a gurney, you know, like, you know, and, and, and it may be shift work in, in an accounting place. I, I honestly, I think that much of what we, we have come to know about work is going to be, um, what's the word I want to remixed. I think we're going to see a lot of shuffling take place in industries. Not that these things are going to be brand new. I think new was, putting plexiglass up and decals on the floor and, you know, of course, wearing masks and gloves. But I think there's going to be a bunch of remixing of, of things that we've done in the past in industries where we didn't expect it to be. Yeah, no, I, I agree, which then leads back to the whole point of this, this conversation, which was what I saw on the Today Show and, and clear um, that they are actually developing vaccine passport apps. 
So in the same way that you use clear to get into a concert now, or more likely through security at the airport, these companies are going to be able to provide you with a digital record of either your immunity because you've had COVID or your vaccination record against COVID. So how do you feel about that? I feel like we're at one of those junctures in our country where we were just after September 11th and we we put the Patriot Act into place, which gave our government a lot more surveillance over us and we sacrificed a lot of privacy in order to be protected. How do I feel about it? I feel like I really, really don't want to get COVID and I don't mind sharing that information. But I also know that that is a slippery slope. Um, So I'm not sure how I feel. And I, I certainly really also don't feel like giving anyone else my information, right? Like when I get my COVID vaccine, they're going to give us what are called yellow cards. And it's basically from our doctor that says, this is proof that we got the vaccination. Um, And so I'm going to probably be a yellow card holder for as long as I can and try to avoid the, the vaccine passport. But I think eventually... I'm probably going to have to give in to be able to go and do the things that I want and have the freedom to move that I want. And I think that scares me a little bit. Yeah, that's very, very interesting. So first of all, thanks for informing me because I had not heard about the COVID yellow cards or the vaccine passport apps. Um, That's interesting. Considering how much I travel, um, Mm -hmm. considering how much. Yeah, just considering that, I think that that is, that's interesting. Um, Now I'm the one with a bit of a slight pause because I'm like, wow, what happens if, you know, I'm I'm asked to speak somewhere and, you know, A, I can't get there because I don't have this vaccine passport app or worse, the organizer of the event says, Torn, we're not going to have you do a keynote because you haven't taken the vaccine. This is going to be a little, this is going to be a very, very interesting uh, period of navigation. You raise a very good point. Yeah, I think these are the questions that, especially those of us who travel a lot for work, um, are going to be asking each other for the next, you know, at least 18 months, if not two years. Yeah, yeah, no. And, you know, I I think about, you know, I think about the story this past week of the, the woman down in Florida. And I don't know if she's a scientist or if she's a healthcare provider, but she had a website, has a website. I should have written written it down. She has a website. I didn't know we were going to go here today, but she feels like the governor of Florida is attacking her because she's revealing the true numbers and other what she feels is more accurate and honest scenario around COVID and what's really taking place down in Florida. She feels like the governor of the state is 
having did you see that on twitter when it came in oh, with the gun the video and they yeah they they raided her house and oh yeah that was scary i yeah. mean that was some serious surveillance yeah yeah stuff. yeah that was that was that was that was disturbing for me you know um like i mean disturbing in the sense of you know just the the way that they they walked in the house and you know told the husband to come it, it was just like like what do you think they're going to do? Throw a, a keyboard down the stair at you? I mean, like, yeah. it, it, you know, again, you, you, I don't know. So you raise a very good point. Um, good story. Good point. How many links are you going to post for this one? Um, probably two. Okay, cool. For all of you out there, make sure you share them because this is not something that Julie and I just want to talk about in a vacuum. It really is something that we should all be discussing. And, you know, I, I, I always hesitate, Julie, because I wonder how much power, how much sway we have when we bring these stories to light. But then again, I say, well, we 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 won't find out if we don't bring them to light. You know, we yeah. we if we sit in silence, we don't talk about them. We don't discuss them. We don't share them. We're not doing anyone any good. So if, in fact, we are sharing them, then we hope that you in turn, as a listener, we'll grab it and share it as well. Definitely. Absolutely. So look, real quick, let me hit uh, Dr. Timnet Gabru. Uh, okay. So she is a research staff. She was a research um, staff scientist with Google as of a couple of weeks ago. And by all accounts, everything that I'm able to read, I read her resume. I've read a couple of pages put up on her through um, an organization, another one through Stanford University. By all accounts, she is one of the leading voices in the ethical use of artificial intelligence. One of the leading voices in the use of ethical um, artificial intelligence. And I actually, you know, did a little bit of research and found another uh, site that said, it is an extremely high bar, a very high bar to become a research scientist within Google. Like, not only do you have to have your PhD, Julie, but you also have to be able to code at a very high degree. Not, not just play around with Tinker Toy type coding. You have to be able to get in and get busy. So. The short version of the story is she is upset. She sent out an email. Uh, I'm looking at her email. Her email starts with, hi, friends. I had stopped writing here, as you may know, after all the micro and macro aggressions and harassments I received after posting my stories here. And then, of course, it started being moderated. I'm reading from an email that is internal in communication, Julie. It's on there like a, an ERG type, you know, intranet type communication channel. Um, mm -hmm. so, so this email is going out to not only members of that ERG, but also leadership in Google. And I'm not going to read the entire email. I'll make sure we put the link up. But in the email, she lists her grievances and her grievances have something to do with a research paper that she 
worked on with some of her colleagues a couple of weeks back and Google kind of gave it the thumbs up and then they gave it the thumbs down. And she was like, look, for real, y'all playing around and I need to know why you're giving it the thumbs down. As a matter of fact, I don't like that you're giving it the thumbs down. So I'd love to know who gave it the thumbs down and what did they say? And I want to have an opportunity to, to address them. Google wasn't having it. And basically what she said was, if you can't meet these set of demands, then I'm going to resign. I want to work with you to identify a date that is least disruptive to our team because I do love our team and the work that we're doing. I don't want to just leave them high and dry, but I'm going to resign. We'll, we'll find an, uh, an amicable date to make that happen. Well, they fired her immediately. And so the issue right now is a lot of things and whether or not she was terminated wrongfully terminated and so i guess my question to you is this and and i'm curious you'll have to dig into your professional history i had always been in sales before being an entrepreneur and in every environment that i had been in julie if you say that you are resigning the company automatically accelerated your resignation and basically your last day was the day that you tendered the resignation. Even if you said, I'm doing it in two weeks, a month, they always said, no, you got to go. Because in their mind, they didn't want you in the database, pulling out clients, pulling out potential customers, taking them to a competitor, using them for your own personal gain. They just didn't want you to have access. So they, they cut you off. Has that been your history? Yeah, I, I let's say... 80% of the time, if once you leave, you're out, um, for sure. And definitely in any customer facing role. Absolutely. And so what Google is saying is that, well, we know we can't meet a couple of these demands. And so we'll accept your letter of resignation and we're doing it right now. And the internet went crazy. So you have the hashtag, I support Timnit, T-I-M-N-I-T. You have the hashtag believe black women. And I'm on the fence with this. I'm on the fence in the sense of I stand with Dr. Timnit Gabru in everything that she said. I'm giving her the benefit of the doubt. I'm trusting what she's saying is true, that she's followed protocol and, you know, all of these things and or micro uh, being sanctioned, gaslit in the past. I'm giving her all of that credit. I'm, I'm standing with her in that regard. Definitely giving her deference and respect for what she has accomplished. But a small portion of me is like, it's almost customary. And, and if they fired me or said, Torrin, we want you to leave for my little $7 and seven cent an hour plus commission job. What do you think they're going to do when they pay you, you know, one fifty dollars to $300,000 a year? I mean, I think that's kind of the the point. Like, I guess that would be my counter argument point too, because I I get and agree. Like, most of the time, this is the situation, and it should be. If, if you're going to draw that line in the sand, then you should be prepared to follow through with that line in the sand. However, when you have someone 
with that level of skill, experience, and um, ability. Yeah. Like, like you got to find you, a way. Right? There aren't so many of those people in the world. Yes. There are definitely enough of us, you know, little 750 an hour salespeople or yes. whatever, right? Yes. Um, you so got to find a way. Yeah. Why, why not work on it? Right? Why not try to come in, instead of what feels a little knee jerkish by Google to say, "Well, guess who's in control here? It's me," and you're out. Yeah, yeah. And and I'm with you, Julie. Except for I just modified what you just said. It's not feels. It is knee jerkish. Like okay, you yeah. I mean, you say inclusion and diversity are important to you. You say that you are are a fair employer, and that that she is well respected. I, I also have the email that her her uh supervisor or boss, whatever you want to call him, um, you know, is Jeff Dean. I, I I got his email, you know, and he starts his email off, you know, hi everyone. I'm sure many of you have seen that Timnet Gabru is no longer working at Google. This is a difficult moment, especially given the important research topics she was involved in and how deeply we care about responsible AI research as an org and as a company. If all of that is true, then sit down and figure out how do we work with her and why not provide her with the transparency? Why not allow her to talk to Torin and Julie, who had some reservations about her research? Oh, I'm sorry, not hers, but the research that was done. It was because I think it was three colleagues that worked with her. So, so let, let her or them talk to the people that have dissent, dissenting opinions and, and you all figure out, well, how do we find a medium ground? And, and if we can't after that, then maybe we need to explore parting ways from one another. But to just simply say, okay, we can't do it and you can leave. That to me is so short-sighted in terms of leadership. And I think that it makes the recent announcement this week of Google partnering with Sherm to seem as one of those performative acts. Like they may be very, very genuine in working with Sherm to address employee relations and inclusion related issues. But you got part of the marketplace like this is some bullshit. Yeah. Yeah. And you know what? I'm sorry. That reminds me that I gave you some homework last week. You sure did. I forgot. Did you did? <laughs> Damn it. Because the the people on on Social Dilemma as I as you were supposed to watch this week yes. talked about um an ethical AI kind of association that they've started. Oh no, so Julie. Be- no, no, no. I didn't forget. I've seen Social Dilemma. Oh, you have? I thought okay. the movie was like the bomb. It was. I mean, and I think the thing that, that, that blew my mind the most, I can't remember the guy's name or the company. I think he was with Facebook, but he was like, my children don't have any apps on their phone. Mm-hmm. You remember that? Oh, yeah. I was like, that, that, that blew my mind. Like he, because he knows. Yes. He sees it. He knows he sees it. And that's what this is all about. You know, she's like, look, this AI that is being built is not being built for all. And I got issues with it. And Google's position on it is, well, you didn't give us enough credit for the good work that we are doing. 
almost like they needed the big the big monster needed to be you know chin stroked they needed to to be made to feel good in this scenario she and her colleagues didn't make them feel good enough and so they're mad about it and the reason why they say they fired her is because the email that she sent out julie it went to other people and not just leadership and so we don't want common folk you know like the 91 year old lady in the small cottage uh, outside of london we don't want them common folk to to read and hear about our uh disagreements and so because you included them made them privy to it we're letting you go that's conduct unbecoming of a leader that's what it is and so yeah again i understand the whole accelerating the resignation piece so for any of you out there listening I want you to be very clear on where Torrance sits. I understand the acceleration of her resignation. I think that Google, not not only did they misstep, they tripped and fell on their nose because they missed another opportunity. Another opportunity to build and show that inclusion and representation are important to them. Yeah, and I think that is the perfect note to end on. Awesome. So we'll put a link up. Um, I want to give some love to my friends on Instagram real quick, Julie, if you don't mind. I don't have a name drop, but I do have three local um, black business owners that I think you all would absolutely love. Now, they are terrible on Twitter. We normally point you to people's Twitter profiles. Trust me, all of these folks are terrible on Twitter. Find them on Instagram. One is Gingy Chocolate. That's J-I-N-J-I Chocolate. She's at Gingy Chocolate on Instagram. Another is Neopol Smokery. I absolutely love Neopol. Mother, son, team. They are at Neopol, N-E-O. P-O-L Smokery. Neopole Smokery. Again on Instagram. And the last is Kane Collective. That's Kane with a C. C-A-N-E underscore collective. Kane underscore collective. Genji Chocolate. Of course, it's chocolate. Neopole Smokery. They take uh, shrimp and fish and all types of other things that you all enjoy and they smoke it so good. And then Kane Collective is a mixed uh, beverage that you can place in rums and other beverages during the holiday season. So support some of my friends here in Baltimore. I'm, I'm on this Kane Collective side. I've already got stuff in my, uh, in my, my cart. Like, oh yeah. My this man. Is gonna That's beautiful. Perfect. There you go. Perfect. Awesome. 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 Some- holiday at home that I have planned. Um, so my name drop this week is Janae Osterheld from the Boston Globe. And she's doing a really incredible um, story, video, podcast series called A Beautiful Resistance, uh, focused on the lived lives of, of Black individuals in this country, as opposed to focusing when someone dies in a very unfair and 
scary way instead of focusing on that event, focusing on black lives that are growing and changing and overcoming some of the systemic issues that they face every single day about home ownership, about access, about fashion, just really, really cool. Um, check it out on the Boston Globe. You know, I'm sorry. I moved away from my mic. Boston Globe. You know, them folks be putting in some work, man. That team, yep. they do some incredible journalism. Love the work that they do. I'm absolutely going to check out this series. How long is it? Is it like three parts, five parts? What? Um, it looks like so far they have about six parts. Okay. Six videos that I can see. I just learned about it this morning. Okay. She was on MSNBC and it's um it's pretty cool. They showed part of the first video. Love I'm, it. I'm, I'm gonna check it out. I'm yep. absolutely gonna check that out. All right, another good pod, Julie. I got to run. We got to get out of here. I got things to do. I'm sure you got things to do. Uh, in the words of B.B. King, the beautiful thing about learning is nobody can take it away from you. I close reminding each and every one of you to share the pod with your digital tribe. And of course, to find your voice in the workplace. Be a better human. Julie, you did an excellent job this week. Love doing our pods. To the rest of you, have an awesome rest of the week. For now, Julie and I our ghost. See ya. So Torin, we have a sponsor. Mad cool. That says that they appreciate the work that we are doing through this podcast vehicle. You know what else is cool is what other people are saying about Gusto. So give me examples. I mean, it's easy for you to say people are talking about it, but give me some examples. So Tom S. said, Gusto has allowed my small company to offer big time benefits without an HR department. Shout out to Tom, but do you have more? Yes, I have another one from Sation who says, Gusto is effortless, which is how I like HR. Out of sight, out of mind, yet doing what it's supposed to do. So what you are saying is Gusto is more than a payroll provider. Absolutely. And Gusto integrates with all of your favorite tools that, again, makes life easier. Tools like QuickBooks, Google, and, and many others. So if you visit gusto.com slash C-A-T-K, that's gusto.com forward slash C-A-T-K, you'll get three complimentary months from Crazy and the King. Welcome, change agents, to your go-to place for stories that ignite your spirit, fuel your purpose, and connect us all. We believe in the incredible power of the human spirit, its boundless resilience, and the inspiration it brings to our lives. On the Driving Change podcast, we'll journey together through the extraordinary, yet very relatable experiences of some of the most amazing people on earth. Our mission? That through these stories, we might just spark change within you and awaken a newfound motivation to harness your unique gifts to make a real difference in the world. So get ready to be inspired and join us on this incredible adventure. You can find the Driving Change Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, or wherever you love listening to your favorite podcasts.